Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to talk about living by faith. And what I mean by living by faith, a lot of us have faith in a lot of things, right? We have faith that uh, we're going to get our, in our car in the morning and it's going to start. We have faith that our alarm clock is going to wake us up in the morning. But faith can be put in different things. We can put our faith in the world. And when we come up empty, we wonder why. So tonight we're going to learn about living by faith. And I'm going to play a video of a girl named Melissa. And when you watch the video, I just want you to see how she lives by faith, because she's a very special teenager. And if you could play the video. Grass is soft, like the angel hair pasta. Kind of grass, kind of resembles that. I guess. Just I don't know. <laughs> I've been blind since birth. I have a disease called Leber's congenital amaurosis. People often ask me, you know, is it hard being blind? Is it scary? It, it's not. It's just a normal way of life for me. when I was angry about being blind. I was very into makeup and trying to look my best. I really wanted to look in the mirror and see what I look like, but I couldn't. The Lord spoke to me and he told me that I am beautiful on the inside and that I don't have to worry about what I look like on the outside and that he is the only one who can tell me what I look like. The mirror can't. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit of a burden to people. Sometimes I wish I didn't really need that much help. I wish that I didn't have to rely on them. I'll break too. If I could see, I don't think my faith would be as strong. Because for a blind person, you have to rely on the Lord. It's like your faith becomes more real because you're used to not seeing things. You're used to believing in someone that you can't see. Like for example, my mom, I can't see her. I may be able to hear her, but even if I couldn't, I can't see her but I know she's there. So for me, I think it's easier to know and to understand that though I can't see God, he's really there. 
I think it has a lot to do with walking by faith and not by sight. I have this desire to help people, but I feel like being blind sort of limits me as to what I can do. But the reality is, God has given me a gift of singing for Him and leading worship. And I feel like that's my way of helping people. And I'm grateful for that. so much joy and so much anticipation because I know that the first face I'm ever going to see is Jesus and that means the world to me. So tonight we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. Uh, The book of Hebrews was written by an unknown author, but I kind of think it was written by Paul. It sounds like Paul, even though, don't take my word for it, it's not scientific, but uh, I think it's written by him. It was written to tell the Hebrews at that time about Christ. It was written about 70 AD. And at that time, the Hebrews were like backsliding in their faith, especially second generation Hebrews of that time. And Paul wrote the letter to uh, tell them about Christ and about what his sacrifice was. So how important is faith? When it comes to our relationship to God, it's everything. In fact, in the verses we're going to study tonight, He writes, without faith, it's impossible to please God. These Jewish believers in Jerusalem were being pressured and even persecuted to return the ways of the Old Testament. Back to the laws of Moses, back to the shadow and the copy of which Jesus Jesus Christ is the substance. Line by line, it proves to them that Jesus is superior in every way. In the days of old, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets and in many portions and in many ways. But in the last days, he speaks to his son, Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of nature. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. All of it was just a shadow and a copy. Jesus is the reality, the substance, and the fulfillment of all. He's writing to open the eyes eyes to the truth. Why would you want to go backwards? You should be moving forwards. He wants them to understand how great a salvation God has given and through Jesus Christ. When you understand the value of something, you really appreciate it even more. It's like 
a man from Oklahoma who had Chinese cups and carved of ivory. He didn't really know how much it was worth, but when he found out it was worth a million dollars, he was really excited over it. Or the man from Oregon who discovered a Norman Rockwell painting which was actually a genuine, a genuine Norman Rockwell painting worth more than a million dollars. So it makes a difference when you know and understand the value of something. He's calling them out to strengthen their faith. In chapter 10, he wrote, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which was a great reward. And then in another verse, he quotes God saying, My righteous one will live by faith. So if we look at chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now in faith and the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are not seen were not made things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained more excellent obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was taken away that he should not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For God, if he was taken, he had testimony that he, was, he had pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark, to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of the promise, as in strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promise. Chapter 11 is famously called the Hall of Faith. These Jewish believers we're very familiar with the Old Testament, so he gives them one example after another of heroes of faith. They were ordinary people like you and me. They were not perfect, that's for sure, but they believed God and he made the difference in their lives and the world around them. It is interesting though, interesting, though that each of these people were common, ordinary sinners like you and me, there is no mention of their sin or their failures in this chapter. God gave them a second chance, and what he celebrates, what he highlights, is the victory of their faith. In Hebrews 10:17, he says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. The good news is that your story isn't over either. If there are sins and failures in your life, you can, can come up and continue in faith and finish well with God will highlight and celebrate your victory as faith as well as your sin and lawless deeds you will remember no more. I think the hardest thing for me when I was saved 
about 14 years ago, is that I couldn't believe that I was worthy enough of salvation, the gift of salvation that he gave me. I couldn't figure out how he could forgive somebody that sinned all his life and that I was so worthy of, it, of, his, of his generosity. It was the biggest thing for me to overcome. As I matured as a Christian, I understood what he was talking about. God wants you to live by faith. Verse 1 gives us the very definition of faith. It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Remember that in the Greek, the word of hope is different from our English word. In English, we hope in things we're not sure of. We hope we catch fish. We hope the stock market rises. We hope the government spends our tax money well. But in the Greek, however, the word hope means you have a rock on which you stand, a strong foundation. Hebrews 6, 18, 6, 18 and 19 says, We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor to the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. In the book called Six Hours, One Friday, Max Locato tells a story of how he and his boat survived a hurricane. An old seaman gave Max the advice to take his boat to deep water, drop four anchors off each corner of the boat, and pray that the anchors hold. Max survived the storm, but he says that he learned an important lesson. All of us need an anchor that will hold during the storm to life. That anchor is our faith. What you have, you put in your faith, how important it is to have faith, where do we find faith strong enough to make it through the storms of life? Hebrews 6.18, like I said, we who take refuge, we have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. We should anchor our faith in Jesus. Faith is fully being convinced. In the courtroom, and juries are often, often to be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. They weren't there when the evidence, uh, when the event happened, or the crime happened, but they were presented with the evidence based on what the evidence was. They must be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt in order to bring a conviction. In verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the world of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. We weren't there when God created the earth, but we see the evidence all around us. We see the trees, we see the forests, we see the oceans. The evidence is all around us. In Romans 1, 19 and 20, it says that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Acts 17, verse 30 31 says, God is now declaring that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Though a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead, our faith is in God. It's not faith in faith, it's not positive thinking, it's not confession. It's not simply being confident or optimistic. Faith is, some, is more than simply believing that God exists. Satan himself 
believe that God exists. He even believes that Jesus is God's son. He said to Jesus when he was tempted in the desert, Since you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He also believes that Jesus is coming again, which is why he wants to destroy as much as possible in the meantime. It's like the terrorist group ISIS in Iraq who held the town of Mosul. They knew they were going to be defeated, but they wanted to kill and destroy as much as possible while they still have power. In John 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In James 2, verse 19, You believe that God is one. You do well, but the demons also believe, and they shudder. Faith takes action. In other words, faith does things. Faith with no works is faith that does not work. That's the difference between a faith that is dead and a faith that is alive. James 2, 17, 18 says, Faith, if it has no works, is dead. Being by itself, but someone may as well say, You have faith and have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, God expects you to use your faith to put it into action. A lot of people have faith, working in ministry for a long time. I work with a lot of faithful people, but there are a lot of people that say they have faith, but they have no works. They have nothing to show for it. God says he expects you to use your faith to put your, work, put your faith into action. It's like someone who was a, has a tricked-out four-wheeler off-road truck, and they've got a heavy-duty off-road tires and a 16-ton power winch and tower lights, and uh, they got candy apple-painted body. And one day you pull into Wawa and you're a little Toyota, right, and you park next to him, and you go in for a cup of coffee and you start a conversation with him, and you say, say, and you say to him, well, do you take it off-road? Do you go in the woods with that? And he says, are you kidding me? As much money as I spent on this truck, I'll never take it into the woods. That doesn't make any sense, right? So in the same way, faith is a powerful thing, and it's meant to be used. But faith might be more comparable to muscles. We all go work out. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. When you trust God in the trials and difficulties of life, you're putting your faith into action, and your faith will become stronger through the trials. As someone once said, people are like tea bags. You don't know what they're made of until you put them in hot water. In James 1, verses 2 to 3, Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Having faith pleases God. Verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's a great verse. Faith is not only believing that God exists, it is believing that God is a reward of those who seek him. That's the personal part of faith. You want to please God because you are seeking him. You want to understand his heart for you. You want to understand his ways. What is it you are pursuing in your life? What is it that you seek after? There is a deep longing in the heart of the human soul, 
Understanding that the soul was made to seek after God is to be pleasing to him. God loves the heart behind the faith. In verse 4, we see, By faith, Abel offered, a God, offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. And through faith, through his, though he's dead, he still speaks. Cain and Abel were the first sons of Adam and Eve. Cain tended the fields and Abel kept the flocks. At some point, each of them brought an offering to the Lord. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, on his part, brought the first of the flock. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain, for his offering, he had no regard. As a result, Cain became angry, and God responded with this warning. In Genesis 4, 6, 7, it says, And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why are your continents falling? If you do well, will not your continents be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. But you must master it. God knew the heart behind the offering. Even for the early days, God required the offering of a lamb because of it was the shadow of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Cain can give what he wanted, not what God wanted. God knows the heart behind the offering. Even in worship, and Pastor Paul would appreciate this, it's the heart that matters most. The heart of the worshiper is what pleases God. Someone may have the most beautiful voice, and another person can barely hold onto a tune. But it's the heart that God desires. In Luke 1, Verses 21, verses 1 to 3, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting in their gifts in the treasury of the temple. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. The rich person gave out a surplus. The widow gave out of poverty. A lot of times when we tithe, you know, we worry about money and all. God's telling us not to worry about that. Serving in ministry, we go down to Trenton in the homeless ministry, and the people that I serve with, they serve with an open heart. Their heart is pure. It's just pure joy to watch people that I work with down there, that I serve with, just have the joy of serving the people. That's what God is looking for. God is looking for a true heart, not a phony heart, because God knows the difference. Walking by faith is walking with God. On verse 5, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he he should not see death. He obtained witness that before he's being taken up, he was pleasing to God. This also brings us back to Genesis. We know very little about Enoch. We know that he was the father of Methuselah, but of Enoch it simply says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. It's a picture of a relation that's close. Before the fall, Adam walked with God in the garden in the cool of the evening. But Adam and Eve decided to sin. And that beautiful walk was broken up. Enoch was close to God. He means he brought his heart as he walked, as he lived every day. They walked together, and one day they simply kept on walking right into heaven. Isn't that what we want? 
that one day that we walk with God here on this earth by being faithful to him, by serving him, and then one day we just walk right into heaven with him. Psalm 16, verse 11, You will make known to me the path of life in your presence in fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Faith that pleases God is the result of a heart that seeks him, a heart that draws near. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7-9, we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be, be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. When you hear that phrase, what does this say to you? We have an ambition to pleasing him. How does it sound? How does it ring in your ears? Does it resonate? Does it sound good? Does it have the sound of something you desire? If so, you have a heart that pleases him. You want what he wants. Walking with God means that you can, you can get up in the morning with God, that you can eat breakfast with God, that your heart will be towards him, that you can drive in your car with God, that you can work all day with God, that you can go home with God, that you can watch TV knowing that God is with you, that you can talk to your family with God's help, even go to sleep on the hand in favor of God. So Psalm 127, verses 1-2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is in vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for it is he who gives you his beloved even while he sleeps. While being faithful to the Lord also means serving the Lord. What are the eight blessings we give from serving? Serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 compares the church to a human body. Just like our bodies are made of many parts, serving specific functions, the church is made up of people with different skills and abilities, along with these pieces aren't very useful. But together we create something beautiful. Serving allows us, to be, allows us to experience miracles. In John 2, Jesus was at a wedding, and a couple was running out of wine for its guests. He tells the servants to fill big jars of, up to the brim. Then they served the water to the guests, and it was wine. The guests never knew what happened, but the servants were the ones who witnessed the miracle. The same is true for us when we serve the Lord. When we serve in our ministry and we watch the joy on people's eyes, that we serve down in Trenton and in Food for the Soul, it brings joy to us. We benefit from that joy. Serving allows us to experience the joy and peace that comes from obedience. In 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, it says, Each of you use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Serving is a form of worship a way to express gratitude for what Jesus has done for us and share the love and grace we have been given. Four, serving helps us to be more like Jesus. We shift our focus off ourselves onto others through serving. 
we begin to see others as Jesus sees them, and we see Jesus in others. Serving surrounds us with other Christians who can help us follow Jesus. When we're working side by side with other people, a bond inevitably forms. This was part of God's plan for how the church is supposed to work. That's why in Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it instructs us to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. Serving increases our faith. As we move out of our comfort zones, God increases our faith by revealing new potential in ourselves and in his church. When we see what he can do, when his power is at work within us, we begin looking for the doors he's opening rather than pushing our way through the doors he's closed. Seven, serving allows us to experience God's presence in new ways. Encouragement and healing go hand in hand. As we encourage others and they find healing, we're encouraged. It's the reason so many people who go on mission trips say that they came home feeling like they got more than they gave. And eight, serving is good for the soul. Studies show that volunteering is so good for the mind and the body that it can ease symptoms of stress. Depression, tapping into our gifts and passions, builds self-confidence, energy, strength. Serving others can also be the best distraction from our own worries. What are some of the rational explanations why we don't serve? I don't have the time. I don't know what I would do. I don't have any special skills to contribute. They don't, they don't need me. But let me ask you this. What if Jesus said, I don't feel like going into Jerusalem today to heal anybody. I'm tired. What if he said, I don't feel like going into Jerusalem to, to, to teach at the temple. What if he said, I don't feel like going to the cross. Where would we be? What would we do? To serve Jesus is to, to sacrifice yourself for the things that he's done for us. To complain about little things, about getting out of bed, I don't want to do it. It's very superficial, isn't it? Compared to what he did for us. So those excuses shouldn't be what we, what we should accept in our lives. And we should be convicted by the Holy Spirit. But, but the reality is the Lord doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. And let me tell you, I can testify to that. If you were going to tell me I'd be up here tonight talking to all of you, I'd tell you, you're crazy. God has put me in places where I thought I would never be. Right? He put me in home groups. I have my own home group that I thought I could never do. People used to tell me, oh, yeah, don't ever say no. And I always used to say no. Say, I can't do that. But now I have a home group that I've been doing for now almost three years. And here I am speaking to you for the second time up here tonight. I'm no scholar of the Bible. You know, I'm no great speaker. But here I am because I desire to be a messenger for the Lord. And you can do the same, all of you. You can be just like me. You can be up here speaking and sending the message out to everybody who doesn't know the Lord. So don't ever feel like you can't do it, because I am the greatest, greatest 
I, I can't believe that I'm a fear right now. All right. He equips the call. God uses men and women with similar doubts to change the course of history. Moses didn't think he was a leader or speaker, but God worked through Moses to bring Israel out of slavery. David was the youngest and therefore the most insignificant of all his brothers, but God worked through David to defeat a giant and eventually made him a king. Paul used to kill Christians, but before he met Jesus on the road, he went out to become one of the most highly regarded and prolific writers in the church. So don't think that God God can never use you. God doesn't just want to work through you. He wants to work in you. Be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful and he will answer you. He will always be there for you. So let's pray. You've been listening to to every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.